the thing that blew me away was looking into their eyes. The eyes almost looked alive. They were just so pronounced and so extraordinary. And when I looked at that, I said, you know what? Looking at that, I can see that they might be talking to each other because they can see each other. They can see into the other bus. And they just might, like John Madden said the year that he was in shrines. This is the Extra Point Podcast from Arizona's Family. Man, we have a lot to discuss, a lot since uh, a lot has happened since the draft. Now we're a week into training camp. We have the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, the sports world's gone crazy, and you almost brought a championship to the Valley with the <laughs> Phoenix Suns. So uh, I don't know where you want to start. I think I kind of want to start um, with a ritual that you do to help the local teams out. How did you get the Suns to the NBA Finals? <laughs> well, I don't know if I'm going to take credit, obviously, but it goes way back to when I was in St. Louis in 1999 when uh, Trent Green, I was the Rams quarterback at the time, got injured. And there was gloom and doom. They were playing really well in the preseason. There was gloom and doom in the city. And people were saying that the Rams were cursed. And so when I heard that, I'm kind of a spiritual guy. So I got in touch with a psychic and said, people are saying the Rams are cursed. Is there something that can be done about it? So this psychic, I guess, was turning over cards or whatever. Said, yeah, there is something you can do because I, I feel a negative energy around this situation. And she said to me, burn sage and come up with a slogan or a, a slogan. So I came up with, you got to believe. Well, I started doing it. People had, you got to believe signs at the, at the dome in St. Louis. And we know what happened. The Rams won the Super Bowl. And so, okay, it was fun. That was cool. Then a few years later, something similar happened with the Cardinals in a season where they were winning and it looked like they were going to get into the postseason, lost seven in a row, and people were saying, oh, my goodness. Now, no one could say the Cardinals were cursed because, obviously, there's a great history there. But they were saying, man, what's going on here? So a couple friends of mine said, well, H, you need to start burning sage. So I did. They won a weekend series to get into the playoffs with only 83 wins and went on to win the World Series. Now we fast forward two years ago to the St. Louis Blues. And they're in the playoffs. They're playing the Sharks. And for hockey fans who might have been watching, they lost a crucial game in the series on an illegal hand pass. So the next day in the paper, one of the columnists there wrote, the Blues are cursed. Well, whenever I hear that word, I get chills. So what did I do? I started burning sage. And burned sage for the Blues every single game the rest of the way as they won the Stanley Cup. So. Here I go. I come to I come to Arizona, which of course in many areas is the home of sage, uh, certainly. And some of the sage I bought back in '99 in those years was actually made in Sedona. I'm, I'm making it up. The funny thing is, so here I'm in Arizona. Came here last September, and what happens when I get here? Not having even been following the NBA that much because there's no team in St. Louis. All of a sudden, the Suns are winning and playing great, and I'm saying, hmm. Maybe I can get a fourth championship here, or at least in the town that, that I live in. Well, then we know what happened. Chris Paul tests positive. And I, oh, my goodness. And what did, I don't remember if I read it somewhere or I heard it on the radio. Someone said Chris Paul and the Suns are what? Cursed. <laughs> that was me on the podcast. Did you say it? Okay. Well, I figured here we times. go. Here we go again. So I started burning sage for the Suns every game. Every game since then, obviously he came back 
it didn't get the championship, but it did get them pretty darn far in a wild postseason in the NBA. So it was kind of a fun ride. And I found places in, in the Phoenix area to get Sage. And so that's, that's, that's a pretty good thing. So anyway, that, that's the backstory and the current story. Well, I think we need to get you a Sage endorsement deal. I don't know if that ruins <laughs> uh, how that works. Uh, two, you that helped birth Kurt Warner. And then three, who would have thought um, that that would also have the Cardinals uh, make their own trip to the, to the championship? So we're still not there yet as, as a Valley sports community. You might need to burn a little more sage. We just have the Diamondbacks. And can you do something about our local baseball and hockey team, please? Uh, that, they might be beyond repair right now. <laughs> well, I shouldn't say beyond repair. That they, they need a bit, you know, every team that I did it for is a pretty talented team, obviously. And so I think there's some work to be done by the Diamondbacks and, uh, you know, and, and the Coyotes. However, you mentioned the Cardinals, and maybe, maybe now that I haven't totally completed the quartet because didn't get the victory for the Suns, but I've done it for teams in each sport. Now maybe it's time to start the rotation over back to the NFL with the Cardinals. Maybe, maybe we'll have to consider that. Well, we might have to have you in studio to do it next time we do this, if that's all right. We can. Uh, we have a studio. It, it, it has great ventilation. Maybe have you in. We'll, we'll, we'll get everybody on board. Does that sound good? And absolutely. And maybe right before the season starts. And here's, oh, and, here, good and, here's the, and here's the part about it. The thing about it is that one year and say, I mean, there was a lot of people doing it. I mean, pe- people would come up to me and say, <laughs> hey, I'm burning sage with you. But see, that's the thing. I can't do, I can't do it alone. I need the help of the community. So maybe we need to do that right before the season starts that first week or second week in September. We would need to name the group. Do you have like a group name like, um, uh, Balzers bruise bruisers yeah. storm, maybe Sage storm or yeah. Arizona sage or, you know, so, something yeah. along those lines. We'll have to put our, okay. put our heads together. Maybe, maybe, maybe get the people out there, uh, you know, come up with some suggestions. All right. Well, I want to get to the hall of fame. I want to talk more sage in a minute. I want to know how much sage, though, we need to burn for the Arizona Cardinals this year. Your takeaways one week in the camp, what, what are we looking at here? What kind of hand have we been dealt? Well, I, I think this should be a pretty good football team. And let's be honest, I mean, last year they were a pretty good football team. Certainly at one point it looked like they were going to make the playoffs, and we, I don't have to, we don't have to you know, regurgitate. That would be a good word to describe it, uh, what happened in that second part of the season, but it was still a pretty good team that they've just got, as they, as they all talk about, find ways to eliminate the penalties, find, eliminate the ways you, you know, you shoot yourself in the foot. And, and Mark, we all know that all sports to be successful, you have to know how to finish, finish games, finish seasons, uh, whatever it might be. And Hey, let's just look at the suns for a second game four and five, you know, heck those games, yeah, they came down to the last minute. And so if one of those goes differently, who knows? But uh, bottom line is that's what the Cardinals need to do. I think they've improved in certain key areas. Certainly a lot of people questioned A.J. Green. I I think he's going to be a key guy on this team, especially with his height. I mean, we we look at that receiving core last year, and it was was a pretty good core, but it's not a big core. Larry Fitzgerald's the tallest guy, but we know that Larry wasn't the same Larry Fitzgerald. Now you have an A.J. Green at six foot four going over the middle and perhaps making the middle of the field more of a threat in that passing game. And I think James Conner will help 
help on uh, on offense, especially on third and short and red zone. And you look at the defense. Yes, there's some questions in the secondary, uh, no doubt about it. But if the pass rush, if they can stop the run, which I think J.J. Watt will help, and hopefully now they re-sign Corey Peters, he'll be able to help along those lines and have a really good rotation on, on the defensive line. And then with all those pass rushers, an outside linebacker, in addition to what Watt can do, well, all of a sudden that takes your, the pressure off the secondary a little bit. And so stay healthy, and I think this team has a good shot. I think, that Mark, they'll be a better team. But we all know they're in the toughest division in football, and right. that makes it difficult to, to really get significant improvement. You know, uh, DeAndre Hopkins spoke today, and about the only thing he didn't talk about was um, the, uh, the tweet about, uh, about the COVID vaccine. He said, uh, you're wasting your time if you ask me about it. About that, so no one asked him about that. But then he, he just launched into all these kind of amazing points where we haven't heard DeAndre Hopkins uh, yeah, be that forthcoming I mean, since, since he came to Arizona. One of the things I thought was interesting that he said was A.J. Green's the best player he's played with, that Andre Johnson and Larry were at the end of their career, towards the end of their career right. uh, when he played with them. Did you read into that that Larry's done? For What, what did you read into that <laughs> comment about Larry Fitzgerald's future? No, I, I didn't read in, into it that it was done. It was because I think one, when he said that he feels he's the best guy he's played with, he all of a sudden realized what he had said and said, now – that's not taking anything away from these other great players that he is, he has played with because he then went on to say about AJ green that I think he's at the peak of his career. Some would say, Hey, he's 32. Maybe he's on the downside, but he's saying he thinks he's, he's at the peak of his career. And so, no, I, I don't, I don't think that he knows anything or really has much to say about uh, what Fitzgerald is going to do. But I thought it was significant that he said that the other thing that I saw was significant. And I wonder why he, maybe during the season players don't want, and coaches never did. They don't want, they don't like to talk about injuries because it sounds like you're making excuses. And I've never looked at them as excuses. They're reasons why things are. And everyone says, well, next man up. Well, there's a reason the next, the next man up are backups most of the time. And so, but there was all that narrative about DeAndre Hopkins and not practicing that much. And, you know, Cliff Kingsbury would defend it and say, hey, he knows his body. He knows this. Well, I thought one of the most significant things he said today is when he revealed that he's had this some kind of chronic issue with his ankle. The, t- the tight rope ankle. Have you ever heard of that? Before? I had never heard of that. I'm not sure what it means, but he said he's been dealing with it probably for the last three years. And so and he says he's glad, you know, the coaches understand how I have to ma- I have to manage myself. And so I, th- I thought that was that, that was that was pretty strong. Now, this camp so far, I know it's early. He's only missed one practice. So if that can keep up and, you know, if he, I, I think if he has enough time with Kyler Murray and with A.J. Green, at least through training camp, once you get into the regular season, if you miss a day, that's not that that big a deal. So I think hopefully, hopefully that'll be the key. And he said he said this is the health. He did say this is the healthiest that I felt in a long time. And he said, I believe I'm at my peak. And I think, I think he's truly excited to see what he's going to be able to accomplish now having a, a tremendous threat on the opposite side uh, and maybe on the same side at times as AJ green. You know, and I think if, if he plays well, no one's going to care that he practices, that he doesn't practice on Wednesday. Uh, other, other injury that is kind of stood out was the headline. The first day of camp, JJ Watt hasn't even been on the practice field yet. It's really hard to tell what kind of impact he's going to have. He's been coaching guys up 
I don't know if it's disappointing is the word for a lot of Cardinal fans to not have J.J. out there, but what do you expect out of him this season for the Cardinals? Well, hopefully this doesn't linger, and that's what they're trying to make sure doesn't happen, especially with a hamstring, which we know what problems they can you know, they can lead to if you get back there too soon. So they're going to be very, very cautious with that. Certainly you need him out there. It doesn't mean he has to play. He played, he played over 1,000 snaps. I think last year in Houston, I don't think we're going to see yeah. that this year with that rotation. They have now you can just run guys in and out and keep guys. Assuming Corey Peters is on the team, keep him fresh, keep JJ Watt fresh. That makes the defensive line better. And so, but, but he needs to be out there. He needs to be available. And if this lingers or if there's other injuries, then, you know, people will be saying, yeah, see, we told you he was injury prone, but he wasn't injured last year. I, I think Mark that, Perhaps the most important thing, everyone talks about, oh, the pass rush. Oh, the pass rush, because that's exciting. Oh, and matched up with Chandler Jones. Well, technically, he's not matched up on the opposite side of Chandler Jones because he plays on the line, and Chandler's yeah. an outside linebacker, along with Devon Kennard and along with Marcus Golden and along with Dennis Gardeck when, when he comes back. So they've got some pretty good depth there at that outside linebacker position. And if the rookie, Victor Dunukeje, I mean, man, you watch him and no one's talking about him. He's quick. He's fast. If he can make this team, he could be a pretty good pass rusher. So I think the point I was alluding to earlier, stop the run and get to second and 10 third and long then the pass rush can really come after it and i think that's where jj watt could be just as important on the defense as pass rushing is in that run defense and heck we know look look, look what the cardinals start with i mean you're, they're, they're going to be playing right. you know uh, derrick henry and and another really good back dalvin cook is coming in there with minnesota so you got to be able to stop the run because if you don't then it's hard to get that pass rush because you're not in that many obvious passing situations and that game, uh, the, the the Tennessee game, by the way, a programming note is on Arizona's family, CBS 5. So you just got to get that in. Uh, more excitement about Rondale Moore kind of carving up the secondary for the, the Cardinals or concern just generally about the secondary with Patrick Peterson not being there. They have they have a lot of guys. You have Buda back there, but uh, a rookie has kind of really turned heads here in camp, uh, the, the, the draft pick out of Purdue. He, he really has Go, going over the middle, going deep, little short things. I, I think I think he's going to be a real weapon, and it'll be interesting to see how many snaps he gets because where I really think he can also be advantageous is in the return game, and I would think he'll be the punt returner. Kick kickoff returns we'll have to see uh, because so many kicks aren't even returned uh, anymore. But it's nice to have a guy back there who who can at least break one. But you know, with Christian Kirk and and of course Green and. And Hopkins, you're going to have a, a lot of different packages and a lot of different things that you can do. And I'm sure they're going to try to get the ball to Rondale Moore in space so he can then use that quickness uh, to make yards after the catch. So I think he can, now he had some injury issues in college. He's not a big guy. He's five foot seven. And so hopefully he can he can stay healthy. But I think he can really help that passing game and give this team a lot of weapons where, where everyone's talking, Mark, about, well, where's the tight end? Where's that? Well, it's it's great if you have a great tight end, but if you have enough other pass catchers and you're running the football and throwing the ball to the running backs like Chase Edmonds, then the tight end isn't as important. But when all those other guys are being paid attention to, that's a lot of times when you can complete, you know, a few passes to the, to the tight end, to those open spots. And that's going to be the big thing I think for Kyler Murray this year is going through his progressions, 
being protected, especially up the middle, which is why they signed Rodney Hudson and, and Brian Winters, who will compete with Justin Murray at right guard. But keep him protected so he has time to find the open guys. And if he's able, able to do that, I mean, heck, we, we saw what this offense is capable of the first half of the season. They just have to figure out a way to keep it consistent and like that all year. If you keep Murray healthy and he's able to take off a little bit, I, I, I do think you have something really dynamic there that could take the next step. Um, I'm not going to ask you for your prediction on the season right now. I'm going to have you Good. plug your social media <laughs> site, and I'm also going to have you plug your website. And do you feel like you're going to drop a season prediction at some point? And if if so, where could we find that on social media and on your website? Oh, I'm sure there will be a prediction, and that can be fi- found at si.com slash NFL slash Cardinals. Uh, with all the content that we have there with videos and uh, a lot, a lot of different things. We're, we're doing some podcasts there too. So that that's a place to find me. And you can also find me on Twitter at H Balzer, B-A-L-Z-E-R 721. All right. You think we get like a Labor Day prediction? When do you think that thing will drop? Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. Cause Labor Day, okay. is, that's the Monday before the start of the regular season. We got the Labor Day prediction. We'll circle the calendar on that. And then you're going what are you going to Canton? Is that yeah. uh, is that next on the agenda? So when do you leave? Yeah, I leave on Wednesday, so I'll be missing some Cardinals days. But I, I I try not to miss this weekend. It's one of the great weekends in sports. People haven't been there to try to get there at some point because it's just a spectacular weekend. But the hall itself is spectacular. Even if you don't go during during Hall of Fame weekend, this will be the thirty first time that I've been to a Hall of Fame uh, weekend. I'll be doing three shows. Uh, for Sirius XM, the NFL channel, and Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday. And so lo- looking forward to it, especially, Mark, after there wasn't one uh, last year. Uh, that was a loss to Canton. It was obviously couldn't be avoided, but they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna pull it off <laughs> with two ceremonies, one on Saturday, one on Sunday. This is going to be nonstop Hall of Fame uh, for, the, for this next weekend. And I'm uh, really looking forward to getting back there, uh, seeing, seeing so many people, and – Every year when I go, Mark, I, I kind of have to pinch myself because when you've been doing it a long time, okay, who's sitting down now? Oh, it's James Lofton. Oh, it's Warren Sapp. Oh, it's Jack Youngblood. And it's Hall of Famer after Hall of Famer that we interview for these shows that I'm doing. And I've gotten to know, know them. I'm not saying I'm friends by any means, but I have to pinch myself to say, these are Hall of Famers I'm among. You know, it's, and I, I, I always want to tell myself, don't get complacent. Don't take this like it's second nature and it's just automatic because because it's not, but it's a blast. I love it. So one of those favorite things I do uh, all year is going to Canton and especially being involved in those shows and interviewing so many of these greats who have such a tremendous legacy in this game. And they're probably saying, oh, that's Howard Balzer. I love that guy. <laughs> um, extra special for you that a St. Louis Ram, big player receiver, is going in. What, what What's it going to be like seeing Isaac Bruce going? It, it's going to be tremendous. I was so gratified when for two reasons when he got in because as the Rams representative for the Hall of Fame I I make the opening presentation at the meeting and the first couple of years that Isaac was in the final 15 I wasn't the Rams representative I still spoke some things about him but I didn't make that opening presentation when you make that you feel the weight of the world on your shoulder and you know how hard it is for five people from that 15 to get in especially when you have a year like this one now, of course, Isaac was elect, elected last year, but some years when there's two or three first time eligibles that get in, that doesn't leave many spots. It only leaves one or, you know, one or two spots or two or three spots for anybody else. And so 
when I made that presentation uh, two years ago, well, actually last year, and I had, I think that was my third or my fourth. And so I was just gratified he got in so I didn't have to do it again. <laughs> I mean, a, a good buddy of mine from Tampa, Ira Kaufman, had to present John Lynch. He finally gets in this year. He had to present him seven or eight times. What? And it, it's, it's just incredible. And you just don't want to have to do that anymore. But you're just so also grateful for a guy who's so deserving. And sometimes guys just have to wait, but so deserving for their family, uh, for all those things. And so it's going to be great not only seeing Isaac, but all those other guys that I got to know during those greatest show years that will be coming in uh, for the weekend. Mike Marks, Dick Vermeil, other players, Tori Holt, of course, who's next on the list, who I who I presented last year to get in, and he didn't. I'm hoping that happens soon enough. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be great being around them, and especially since this was St. Louis, and we've always believed it was St. Louis's Lombardi Trophy, not Los Angeles's, even though they display it now. But being a part of that was was tremendous, and it's going to be great seeing everybody this weekend. Do you feel like those greatest show on turf days are kind of – it was such – I mean, if Twitter was around back then, oh, it would have exploded. But totally. I feel like the, the further we get away from that, you almost have to explain it. You almost have to explain, like, what AstroTurf was and why this – this offense was such a juggernaut. What was it like to watch those teams? It, it, it was incredible. And I have these memories, and especially remember this was when I mentioned Trent Green getting injured. And then the next guy is Kurt Warner. And people are saying, and they look really good in the preseason. I mean, Trent Green was on fire and they'd acquired Marshall Falk in a trade. And so you can see that this team was pretty good and there weren't any total, real, absolutely outstanding teams in the NFC that year and then Trent Green goes down and people say oh they got to find a quarterback they got to find a quarterback and and the great film clip that many people have seen when Dick Vermeil, who everyone called crying Dick he gets up there at a press conference the next day to confirm that Trent Green had torn his ACL and he says but I'm telling you with some tears running down his cheeks we will rally around Kurt Warner and play good football now he admits that he never imagined that it would be what it turned out to be but it was amazing. I can remember Mark being in the press box and Warner again would throw a dime to Isaac Bruce and Tory Holt and Oz Hakeem and Marshall fall catching and running. And he'd throw another dime for a touchdown. And we just turn our heads and look at each other and almost just start laughing because it was just so improbable that it was going on. And it's just, and people say, Oh, they're not for real. They're not for real. And it just lasted the entire year and obviously won the Super Bowl. It's, it's one of those unbelievable moments in time. And as Mike Martz once said, who became the head coach after that year, when Dick Vermeil, he's always said, I never should have retired. But he always said, this was a special time and a special place, maybe never to be duplicated the way it took uh, the NFL by storm, with the help of Chris Berman, who first <laughs> called it the greatest show on earth after the, the circus theme, uh, Barman, Ringling Brothers, Barman Bailey, and then changed it to the greatest show on turf. And it was it, like you said, it was it was just just an incredible, incredible thing. I, in my favor was Oz Hakeem when he go Oz 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 Hakeem <laughs> like sneezed, yeah. And it, but it, you know he could do that, and it was the blink of an eye, and Oz Hakeem was in the end zone. Um, other guys you're looking forward to their speech: uh, Peyton Manning, you got Woodson, you mentioned John Lynch. 
Uh, anybody else you've really connected with that you're looking forward to, to going in the hall this weekend? Well, another one is Steve or Atwater. Yeah, Steve Atwater. Yeah, oh, God, he can hit people. I he, love Steve Atwater. Oh, he was incredible. I don't know if he could play. Well, he, he'd have to tailor his game the way he played his strong safety, and everyone remembers that Monday night hit on a Chiefs running back, Christian Okoye. Oh, Boy, yes. Talk about a blood and gut safety. I was so glad to see him get in. For a, long, a lot of years, he wasn't even a finalist and gets elected in his 16th year as a finalist. But I got to know him because he went to high school in St. Louis. And I'll tell you a quick funny story. There's a St. Louis Pro Football Hall of Fame, and they honor – they have different dinners each year. And one is just to honor a whole bunch of people from different sports. Then they'll honor a singular – a school or something like that or a certain – just just something different than just a variety of people. Well, they honored Steve Atwater's high school, which in St. Louis is called Lutheran North, that had a lot of great athletes, not just football. The way they do this, pres- this, this award ceremony is they have a lot of people going in, so they don't want speeches going on and on and on forever. So what they do is they have s- some people in the local media who will do an interview with the guy, and so you can control that. You ask a few questions, you're up there, you know, 10, 15 minutes, and that's it. Boom. It's over. Get to the next one. Well, I read something that in high school, he was his senior class's homecoming king, right? So at the end of my interview, I say, okay, Steve, I'm getting to one more thing there, which I, I kind of think might be your, mo- your, your greatest accomplishment in your long history of, you know, a great football career. And he looks at me and I said, you were the school's homecoming king. And he laughs. Everybody in the audience laughs. And it was kind of a light moment. Well, the funny part of the story is after the dinner's over, I go up to go up to him and say hello and all this. And all of a sudden, Steve says, I want to introduce you to somebody. The girl who was the homecoming queen was there at the ceremony. Oh, that's funny. It was amazing. And she had come from out of town. She didn't live in St. Louis anymore. They didn't get married? No, no, they didn't no, get married. No, that, 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 that's the only thing that made the story. <laughs> yeah, right. This was about three years ago. I think so. You know, we're, we're talking about high school that had to be, I don't know, 30 years before that when he was a senior. So it was, it was, it was pretty cool. Peyton Manning, he's got to do something entertaining, right? I, I would think so. And the one thing they've done, because there's so many speeches this year, although Sunday it's the same as normal. Saturday, there's 12 speeches instead of the usual eight. And the Hall of Fame did a great thing with the posthumous members of the Centennial class from last year and one from this year's class, Bill Nunn, a great scout from the Pittsburgh Steelers for a lot of years. They honored those, those their, their, their legacies with their families at an event the night before the draft in Canton. And they televised it when the draft was over. And they had the bus and everything for them at this event. And the cool thing they did, which no one else gets to do, after the ceremony, all the families went up to the Hall of Fame gallery, the bus gallery, and they placed the bus where it's going to be for eternity, which was, which was kind of cool. So anyway, there won't be any speeches with them. They'll be recognized, but that helps the program at least. But they've told there's always, there's always an issue with speeches. I mean, I remember Kurt Warner went for about 35 minutes, but they've, they've actually said, Mark, they give everybody quote a six minute maximum, but if it gets to eight minutes, they're going to start playing the music. Oh, like the Oscars. They'll wrap you. Yeah. So everybody is kind of under, under the gun here to do their speeches in eight minutes. And eight minutes isn't a long time. I mean, you, you can write your speech and then practice it and time it. Oh, this is this okay. But once you're doing it live, there's, there's applause, there's pauses, there's this and that. And all of a sudden what you think is eight minutes might be 12. So 
it's going to be really interesting. But I, I would think Peyton will be very good. He has that very wry uh, sense of humor. But everyone is, in doing their speeches had to be careful that you just can't thank everybody that you want to because there's not time. And then you can't leave anybody out. So I'm going to be very curious how the structure of the speeches go this year. Uh, have you been in the hall late at night and did the bus talk to each other? Can you confirm? <laughs> I'll say this. I never have been there late at night. But so many times when I go to Canton, it's so crowded on the weekend, and I'm doing so many things, I don't have a time to get to the hall. One year, about four years ago, my younger son, who lives here in Phoenix, came with me, and we tried to go around, but there was just no way. You couldn't even get into the gallery. It was so crowded. Well, a couple years ago, I'm on the Contributors Committee for the Hall of Fame, and they bring five people into Canton for a day to do the presentations and the voting. So I went in a day early and went into the Hall of Fame, and really walked around to see it and, and spent about an hour in the bus room. And, and I'll tell you, the, the thing that was most impressive, Mark, is when, when I, he got up close to the bus and the, got, the, the job, the, the, the people who do the bus is phenomenal. And sometimes they don't look exactly like the guy, but so be it. But the thing that blew me away was looking into their eyes. The eyes almost looked alive. They were just so pronounced and so extraordinary. And when I looked at that, I said, you know what? Looking at that, I can see that they might be talking to each other because they can see each other. They can see into the other bus. And they just might, like John Madden said the year that he was enshrined. So who knows? Who knows what can happen? It's very spiritual, obviously. But like I said, I'll say that. Anybody who goes to the Hall of Fame, just really look at those busts and spend some time with you can't spend time with every one of them there's well over 300 but the ones you really want to see do that because it it just knocked me back it was so incredible oh, i have the chills well i won't keep you any longer uh we will be going along for the ride on your social media accounts where you put up some pictures maybe the eyes and uh <laughs> take us on a little tour and let let us know when you will be broadcasting from there please no i'll, I'll be broadcasting the, let's see thursday evening uh, that's the regular hall of fame radio show that I do. So I got to, I got to calculate this. It starts at six East. So that'll start at three o'clock uh, Eastern. I mean, uh, yeah, Eastern time, uh, three o'clock Pacific or local time. Cause I know it changes. I didn't get used to that. Right. What channel? I don't even know what time zone we're on anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think they always call it mountain, but it's just right. this time of the year, you're really Pacific. And then Saturday and Sunday, each one day is three to six Eastern. And one day is three to six thirty. That's Sunday. Uh, so that one starts at three. So that'll be noon here on Sirius XM Channel 88 on both Saturday and Sunday. And I'll, I'll, I'll just guarantee you, you'll be going, you know, it's just one segment after another. Uh, with it, We don't get guys live on Saturday and Sunday. And so Thursday and Friday is spent taping uh, with, with the players in, in the headquarters hotel. And you just never know who's going to walk by. You, you just never know. Uh, but there's a lot of guys we get on year after year. And, and one of my favorite interviews, and I always tell this one, about three years ago, we're, we're maybe it was two, we're interviewing Warren Sapp. And I look up what year he was enshrined, and I said to him, Warren, and this is a lesson for all of us in this life that we live. I said, Warren, can you believe it was six years ago that you were enshrined? I said, I don't want to use a cliche, but doesn't time fly? So he looks at me and he says, Howard, I've always said this. Days drag, years fly, 
and decades zoomed. And isn't that true? Warren Sapp, the philosopher. Are you kidding me? And I've told that story many times, and people say, wow, that's pretty good. And I, I, I always love what he said. As, and so that would, that would, but those, those are the interviews we do. So people tuning in, you're going you're gonna to have Hall of Famers back to back to back to back to back uh, to back. <laughs> well, we, we can't wait. And uh, you're a Hall of Famer in our book. We're very uh, privileged to have you here in the Valley of the Sun covering football and bringing us your perspective. So thanks for spending some more time with us and hope to do this more during the football season. Hope to do that, Mark. And like, and like we were saying at the top, hey, burn that sage, baby. You know, the, the funny thing is, when I found a place here to burn the sage, I looked at it and figured it was going to be made in Sedona, and it was made in Virginia. I'm saying, what? what? It's making sage in Virginia? Well, you can't get it from Sedona. That that's, that seemed a little odd to me. That was the problem. You got to go, go get it from the real spot. So Perhaps that's the case. Before next sun season. There we go. Awesome. Well, safe travels. I appreciate your time. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.